This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. Welcome. You're listening to the Hindus in Focus podcast. Over the last few days, we've been trying to get you as much information as possible, as much insight on what we are seeing at the line of actual control now. The disengagement between Indian and Chinese troops uh, that we are seeing the first phase of uh, having been completed or is about to be completed, according uh, to officials. With me to discuss just what this means and what this means uh, for for the future of India-China ties is Sham Saran. He is former foreign secretary, former uh, advisor to the prime minister, former uh, chairperson of the National Security Advisory Board as well, uh, and joins us now. Uh, Mr. Saran, uh, straight away, what is your reaction to the deal we are seeing uh, that has been announced on LAC disengagement? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Suhashni, for uh, having me uh, on this program. My reaction is that uh, um, as far as one can see from uh, whatever information has been uh, conveyed so far, uh, that this is a good, a positive first step uh, in terms of uh, a complete disengagement uh, along the line of uh, control. But uh, as you know, uh, the devil lies in the detail. And, uh, of course, uh, we are not quite certain how the phasing for the rest of the LSE is going to be uh, conducted. Um, We had earlier been given the impression that uh, the Indian side was holding out for disengagement, not sector by sector, but along the entire LSE, which would include the hot spring area as well as uh, Depsang. Uh, But uh, clearly, uh, we have agreed to uh, phasing with uh, uh, the uh, Pankung Lake area, both both north and south, uh, having been, uh, you know, taken up uh, for disengagement uh, uh, as a first step. Uh, So uh, uh, I would say that uh, it would not have been in either India's interest or in Chinese interest to have this very prolonged uh, standoff with large uh, forces deployed uh, against each other and that too in very inclement weather conditions and inclement uh, you know terrain conditions uh, so to that extent i think it suits uh, both sides to have initiated uh, this uh, process but as i said first step uh, we will have to wait and see what happens uh, with uh, subsequent steps All right. As you said, it is the first step. And there was the impression that at the beginning, India was holding out for a full vacation of all the uh, areas where Chinese uh, troops had uh, transgressed, had aggressed at the line of actual control. And now we are doing it in uh, phases. Um, Are those concerns also about the sequencing? Because, for example, it has been well known and uh, army officials have said that uh, for China, one of the big reasons 
for them to consider talks with India and for a little more flexibility, the leverage that India had was the heights that India took uh, sometime in August, uh, where we've even heard from uh, army officials, senior army officials at GOC and C, saying that the two sides came the closest to a possible war when uh, the Chinese troops realized that India had occupied certain heights there in what are called the Kailash Ranges. Now, the real concern is that having vacated the Kailash Ranges, as we are doing in phase one, that the leverage left for the other phases is, in fact, uh, has been taken away. Are those concerns valid? Uh, Well, um, you know, the (laughs) point is that... uh, you know, uh, as I said, uh, what is the overall deal? I mean, if uh, the vacation of the Kailash Ranges is part and parcel of a larger deal, where we go back, uh, if not to the status quo ante, substantially to the status quo ante, and we do at the end of this process manage to get uh, disengagement along the entire uh, line of uh, control, uh, then perhaps as part and parcel of that process, one could say, uh, yes, this is uh, fine. But uh, if um, uh, we have uh, vacated these heights um, and later on we find that uh, you know our expectations of uh, Chinese disengaging or going back in other sectors is not, uh, in fact, uh, borne out by uh, what happens on the ground, uh, then yes, we would say that this was uh, not such a clever move on our uh, uh, part. But uh, my sense is that, uh, you know, there has been, in fact, uh, perhaps an overall uh, agreement uh, for disengagement along the uh, line of control. Uh, By the way, I am not very sure that uh, this represents uh, going back to status quo ante, uh, which has been, in fact, also a certain certain uh, constant, uh, you know, demand made uh, by us. But um, you know, it would appear that uh, we are more focusing on restoration of you know uh, peace and tranquility at the border rather than. you know, saying that uh, we should go back to uh, what the situation was, uh, you know, around um, April uh, last year. So uh, one would also have to see uh, what ultimately results from this, whether we are going back to status quo. ante. My sense is that, uh, you know, uh, it is not as if we are going back to status quo. ante. For example, the kind of you know no patrolling zone that we have created uh, on the north bank of uh, the pankung lake uh, that means that uh, for example our patrols cannot go uh, to areas that they were regularly uh, going to uh, as a result of this um, agreement um, yes you could argue that uh, this also means that the chinese side will not be able to come uh, to you know, finger four uh, like they were uh, before, but um, it does mean that uh, from our side uh, there are areas that uh, we will not have access to. Uh, government says temporarily. Uh, now again, uh, we, we would have to wait and see if this is temporary. What is the eventual agreement that is arrived uh, at with regard to you know patrolling? Uh, so it is. It is. Uh, I would say still somewhat unclear what the 
what the uh, you know uh, main features of this uh, understanding uh, is uh, again i go back to what i said uh, as a first step maybe of a process uh, that has been agreed to by both sides um, it is a good uh, first step even if it has meant that we have clearly climbed down from our earlier insistence uh, that there cannot be this kind of phasing and that we will not come back from the kailash ranges uh, until we have satisfaction with respect to the rest of the lse uh, so to that extent clearly a compromise has been made and of course uh, some concerns you had earlier spoken about the uh, the the parallels to perhaps the doklam situation in 2017 you know there's been uh, uh, there was a disengagement that was negotiated between the two sides and yet it didn't lead to the kind of uh, behavior on the chinese part that india had expected in fact china doubled up on its infrastructure on the doklam plateau as well as uh, what we saw uh, you know pictures of of possible villages coming up in those areas uh, so do you think there is a way to safeguard against that kind of reverse in the future so the experience of doklam quite clearly means that <laughs> we must uh, not take uh, things uh, you know or, or at, at face value um because as you mentioned uh, in doklam uh, although it is true that we did manage to prevent further ingress on the part of uh, chinese forces in terms of the road building uh, subsequent events would seem to indicate that they have just gone and outflanked this entire area by building roads in other um, other areas in the in the same uh, region uh, so uh, you know that experience shows that um, you know we have to be very cautious very um, you know alert and uh, fully aware of what is really happening uh, on the ground right. i think only then can the process of you know rebuilding a certain degree of confidence a certain degree of mutual trust uh, can um, uh, come about um, there may be various reasons why the chinese despite in a sense being in a dominant uh, position uh, have agreed to Uh, perhaps engaged in this is disengagement and perhaps we should also uh, analyze that uh, because um, that will be certainly very much a part of the part of the story going forward sure in fact that was going to be my next question when you look at all the possible reasons for china's decision to disengage despite the fact that of course since august last year uh, we had seen several uh, announcements that the two sides had agreed to disengage first the national security advisor had spoken to uh, to the special representative there also uh, the foreign minister and then uh, we saw army commanders speaking about disengagement and yet it took nearly 6 months to actually see the first disengagement uh, so uh, uh, is there speculation about what what china's reasoning was to now at this point agree some have uh, suggested that the change at the top in washington was one of the reasons i'm not quite sure about the washington uh, part uh, of it but you know uh, any such major decision uh, cannot be ascribed to one single factor it is usually in our experience that a number of you know perhaps uh, not necessarily very closely connected factors come together to uh, you know in a 
precipitate a certain certain uh, decision now in this particular case uh, the question we need to answer first is why did they engage in this kind of an exercise uh, in the first place you know uh yeah it was it was perhaps uh, not necessary for them to uh, engage in this exercise and jeopardize uh, what was shaping up as a uh, if not a friendly relationship at least a stable uh, relationship um so uh, it is it is it is important for us to try and understand why this happened the chinese system is very opaque we <laughs> we can only speculate we can't really come to definitive uh, conclusion but my sense is that number one they were uh, very uh, i think uh, surprised and uh, angry about what happened in uh, doklam uh, i think they were taken by surprise and um, you know they had to in a sense uh, after having taken a very tough stand they had to in a sense back down somewhat and i relate that to you know the fact that soon there was going to be a brics uh, summit it could have been an embarrassment um, so it it appeared that uh, a decision was taken to try and uh, you know uh, if not disengage at least uh, not let the situation escalate but it rankled uh now here uh, in in ladakh i think uh, their original uh, sort of decision may have been uh, not to engage in a uh, large scale operation uh, but to do what they have been doing in the past which is to you know nibble here nibble there you know put the uh, indians uh, into under under pressure um without really this being Uh, a high risk uh, operation right. now i think what was meant to be a low cost low risk uh, operation on their side which would have uh, to some extent changed the ground situation and uh, indians would have found it very difficult to you know uh, deal with that uh, i think uh, what happened in galwan was not part of the script uh the fact that you know there was uh, a a a kind of a clash uh, between the uh, two sides uh, lives were uh, lost uh, something which was sort of low cost low risk suddenly you know blew up into a very major uh, kind of an incident and uh, here i find that evidence for the fact that this was not part of the script is the consistent effort on the part of the chinese side unlike doklam to play down you know the uh, incidents there uh, to try and uh, you know uh, keep the rhetoric at a at a fairly uh, fairly you know uh, temperate uh, level uh, the contrast is is, is very very uh, you know clear so what uh, i see is that the chinese side did meant this to be a sort of a strong message but uh, not necessarily something uh, which uh, would invite the kind of reaction which we saw from the indian side the uh, unexpected uh, death of you know soldiers on both sides in the galwan incident the fact that the indian side despite the you know inclement weather despite the uh, huge cost involved uh, did manage to you know deploy very large forces um, along the lse which uh, you know again changed the ground situation in a sense and plus what what happened on the uh, kailash uh, range so for the chinese you know you draw up a certain script 
if things do not go according to script sometimes you know it unsettles the other side you know uh, because they 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 don't always have a kind of a uh, fallback position uh, the fact that the indian side also reacted on the economic and trade side uh, this perhaps was also not something which was anticipated because in the past these have not been allowed to uh, interfere with what is a very dynamic and growing commercial and economic uh, uh, relationship this time that did not uh, prove to be the case uh, so if you are sitting in beijing and uh, you you uh, you know planned this move uh, what have you managed to achieve uh, in fact not only have you not been able to uh, achieve the uh, minimal sort of uh, uh, a a a wrap uh, on the knuckles of the indians but you have invited uh, you know uh, reactions which uh, not only affect the india china relationship but they also affect uh, the broader geopolitical situation in asia so i think from that point of view this is in a sense recognizing <laughs> that yes. not much is to be gained by continuing this uh, so better you know find a honorable and perhaps a, a a a respectful way out of the situation and it suits both sides um you mentioned the economic countermeasures in fact the government uh banned all numbers of apps from china uh, has put all kinds of restrictions on a number of investments into india from china also we saw a go slow if you like on imports uh from china uh did these economic measures have some uh resonance and 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 if i may ask in the future can we restore all of these should they be all restored how can trade and investment with china which has also been uh, a problem between the two countries be calibrated in the future number one i think the um economic and commercial side of this whole um you know uh, set of developments is is um, is uh, certainly uh, noteworthy because as i said um from what i what i understand of uh, chinese uh, calculations uh, the economic and trade uh, reaction from the indian side was perhaps uh, unexpected and you would have seen on numerous occasions the chinese side even at the official level conveying that you know the indian side should not link Uh, the economic and trade relationship with uh, you know the border situ- situation i mean they may that may have been unrealistic but it clearly reflected that uh, they did not like uh, want to see that connection uh, so that did uh, play a part and i think it is it is a part of the perhaps uh, the overall deal between the two countries because i see reports that uh, you know some of the investment proposals from the chinese side which were held up uh, perhaps are on the verge of being uh, cleared there was a specific instance of the great wall um, you know vehicle company from um, china uh, taking over the unit uh, general motors unit which it had purchased Uh, but was not allowed to you know actually uh, start operations here uh, if that is going to be cleared that seems to suggest that a part of the overall deal between the two sides may also be that uh, perhaps we can begin the process of you know uh, perhaps untangling the commercial and economic issue but uh, from the indian perspective uh, let me say this that there is no going back uh, to the relationship in different domains as prevailed before the uh, april you know incidents uh, i don't think there is any going back 
uh, India-China relations cannot just go back as if all this had not happened. Uh, so there will be greater wariness on the part of the Indian side, uh, not only with respect to the uh, you know security relationship, but it will also be there uh, very much with regard to the economic and trade relationship. So right. while <clears throat> the Indian side may certainly uh, perhaps unlock some of the uh, some of the uh, deals which uh, were perhaps in the pipeline, but um, I would imagine that uh, going forward. Uh, it cannot be business as uh, usual. Uh, I, I think we are past that now. I, I don't want to ask about that because while you do say that it is not possible to go back to what ties were in the future, we saw, uh, were in the past, we saw post-Doklam. In fact, a new mechanism was built between the two sides, that of the two uh, leaders actually meeting and they met in Wuhan, they met in Mamlapuram, they spent hours together um, clearly, that conversation has been suspended for the last year. We've not seen even a phone call between the two leaders since the standoff began. Uh, but do you foresee that if they do come back uh, or if relations are reestablished in some way, a new mechanism could emerge? And what would that be? It depends upon how uh, smoothly the uh, process of uh, disengagement uh, proceeds, uh, because uh, I think, um, you know, as I said, we are right in the first phase. We have seen from the from past experience that, uh, you know, our expectations uh, are not always <laughs> met uh, as far as the you know ground situation is concerned. Uh, the Chinese managed to somehow uh, outflank, you know, whatever has been agreed upon. Uh, so uh, a great deal will depend upon how how this process of disengagement uh, proceeds. So it is not realistic to think that the two sides will be able to reach a degree of mutual trust and confidence in the near future, which would enable them to pick up, uh, you know, things like the uh, summit process uh, that uh, we had built up over years. I mean, we talked about the informal summits, the two informal summits, which were quite unusual. But, um, you know, for quite a few years, there has been a tradition of bilateral summits between the, uh, uh, the leaders of the two countries. And also, their meeting on the sidelines of various kinds of regional meetings or international meetings. So, in fact, the leader-to-leader -leader engagement, not only between Mr. Modi and uh, Xi Jinping, but even earlier, uh, there has been a tradition of, uh, you know, the uh, leaders meeting all the time. And that played an important role in keeping the relationship on an even key. Uh, now, obviously, that has been disrupted. And uh, I'm not very sure that we can get back to that uh, anytime soon. Uh, so there will be, to my mind, there will be uh, some, some uh, gap in, in, in that uh, respect. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. If you haven't already read uh, Sham Saran's book, uh, How India Sees the World from Cortilia to Modi, the 21st century, you must do so now. Uh, but from the team here at the Hindus In Focus podcast, that's all we have time for. Thanks for listening. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.